Well, speaking in tongues, half the church is cringing and the other half is like, yes, what are we going to learn about today? And we're going to learn about these things in their proper context, reminding ourselves that this chapter, like all the other ones, is connected together. So last week we talked about love being the ultimate motivation. Um, In the last few weeks we've talked about who the Holy Spirit is, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that it comes upon all believers at the moment of salvation, that we're born again. We talked about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the most important being the fruit of the Holy Spirit being self-control, not out of control, because that's what a lot of us speak about, think about when we talk about these spiritual things. We talked about how all the gifts of the Spirit are for the edification, that fancy word meaning the body of Christ, the church, each other being built up. It's, it's not about the individual, not about how we can be puffed up. And then right as we jump into ch- uh, verses 1 through 5, we're going to see the reminder that love, that agape love, that self-sacrificing love, that others-centered love is to be our primary motivation. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. And we're going to talk about some spiritual things this morning. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us as you are so faithful to do through your word, that we would be growing in you, being used by you, and that as we're faced and challenged with some doctrines and some teachings this morning, that we would properly apply your word to our lives. And that we wouldn't just hear it, Lord, but that we would do it as you see fit in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's read the first five verses together, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, that the church may receive edification. The first four words of this chapter are going to be so important. The first two being pursue love. You have to seek after it. You got to go get it and desire spiritual gifts. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about cessationism, that there's a group in the church that believes that all those miraculous sign gifts are just not for today. And so I guess they want us just to ignore the rest of this chapter as a, as a history lesson. But we're taught here that we're to pursue these things, and if we're going to apply the last few verses of the last chapter the same way that that is not that it's Jesus Christ coming back, that which is perfect, and not the Word of God, which is inerrant, and we see that the gifts are for today, then we want to do them properly and we want to pursue them. Paul is telling us, hey, this is important. You need to be looking for these things, desiring these things. And then we see the two here that are some of the most controversial, speaking in tongues and prophesying. And we're going to talk about them and we're going to talk about how They're supposed to be applied. But remember, this speaking in tongues is speaking of not just earthly languages, but spiritual ones. Because there are many people that would say, well, this is only speaking about foreign languages. This isn't about anything else. In the King James 
version, it says unknown tongues. You'll notice that word unknown, if you have a King James version, is italicized. It means it was added in for context. A lot of people will say, see, see, that it means only regular languages. But what did the first verse of chapter 13 tell us last week? It said, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Of course, the emphasis is on love, but do you see it there? Tongues of men and of angels. What does an angel tongue sound like? What is the language of an angel? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure they're not speaking in southern English, though. No idea what they're saying there. And so we see here that Paul is saying, if you speak in a tongue, you're what? In verse 2, however, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And that's why they added that word unknown. It is in its proper context there in the King James Version. These tongues of angels. But what does he also say? In verse 2, he says, he does not speak to men, but to God. This is a, a spiritual connection to the Lord in a language you don't understand. This angelic language. Now, speaking in tongues is mocked, ridiculed, abused. Rightfully so, it's been mocked and ridiculed. Because the majority of the time, as we see it in the 21st century, it's just ridiculous. Utter nonsense. But that doesn't negate the fact that doesn't mean that it is not a scriptural portion of our Christian walk. We're going to see that this connection is between us and God, and we are to be connecting to God. Being a disciple of Christ is not showing up to church on Sunday morning. You don't serve the church. You serve the Lord. We say things like, how's your walk with the Lord? How's your relationship with God? Do you even know Him? Do you talk to Him? Do you pray? Or do you just come to church? And if you do and you're just learning, praise God for it. But there's something more. There's something deeper. We know that there are times, even in our own life, we don't know what to say. There are times when maybe you're by the bedside at a hospital with a loved one and there's just no words to express what you're trying to express. Maybe, maybe on the other side of the, of the coin, you're there and you see the high tide here in the low country, the orange sky of the sunrise and sunset. It's high tide, so all the grass is green and the water, and you're just so amazed by what God has made. Wow, spectacular. These moments, the words that we use cannot express the connection to God that we may feel in that moment or are crying out to God. And so when we're talking about things like tongues or foreign languages or angelic things, you're like, Mike, you better bring me some more scripture here because you're going to crazy town. Oh, well, we're going to drive through it, keep the windows up and go to the right destination. That's the plan. But in Romans 8.26, what does it say? It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, that is not speaking in tongues. That is not an angelic language. I'm making this reference to make a point. There are times when we're connecting to God and we don't know exactly what's going on. It's the mystery of godliness, of of our relationship with God, the mystery of God, I should say. And there is a spiritual connection. 
when we come to church, this is not an intellectual exercise. This is not just about understanding academically the truths of God's Word. Very important, and we're going to see how those things are connected. But we are, we are to have a relationship with the unknowable God. Why do I say unknowable? He's revealed through Jesus Christ. When you have seen the Son, you have seen the Father. We're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about in the last few weeks at the moment of salvation. We're born again. But there are dimensions that we cannot comprehend, see, or understand. Scientists, physicists tell us this, that there are multiple dimensions that our human body cannot connect to, although we know they are there. The Bible has been saying this since creation, that there are spiritual things that we can connect to, and they don't make any logical sense to our minds. Now, we see that he tells us here the emphasis is not on speaking on tongues, but that is a relationship between man and God. But he says he desires that we prophesy. Now, now what is this prophesy? There are some that want to mistranslate it just like speaking in tongues is, oh, that's only, only human languages. And they'll say, oh, what he really means by prophesying here is teaching, teaching and preaching. That It's far more important for us to teach the word of God. As much as I want it to say that, that's not what it says. The word there is not caruso. Caruso is the teaching and preaching. This word for prophesying means revealing the future in advance. In Corinth, when they were gathering together, they were meeting in the homes. They didn't meet in synagogues. They were kicked out. They didn't have church buildings. They didn't have the New Testament. They may or may not have had the Old Testament in a scroll, which was very, very expensive. And the, the word of God was impressed upon people, and they were expressing it, and they were sharing it. Some people were jumping up and speaking in tongues, and others were prophesying. Others were giving words of knowledge. The problem with the Corinthians is they were all doing it at the same time. You see, we're going to have a problem here. In Corinth, they were zealous for spiritual things. Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is teaching them how to use these things decently and in order. In the 21st century in Calvary Chapel Low Country, we want to stimmy and stifle. We, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to get near it. It makes us feel weird. We're like, well, well, this is the Sunday I decide to visit here. But we want to have a biblical context of what these mean, and we want to provoke to love and good works. It says you should desire spiritual gifts but that you should pursue them in love, edifying one another. Many would say, well, prophesying, that's just not for today. That's just wacky town. Well, what does the Bible have to say about this? In Acts chapter 2, at the day of Pentecost, when Peter is preaching, he quotes the book of Joel, and he says, this what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maidservants and on my, on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And that's what was happening there. If you're English second language and you're like, it says prophecy, I know you have to read it in its context. I, I don't like that in Spanish when that does it too, but here we are. Prophesy, prophecy depends on its context for our English second language 
brothers and sisters. But just like speaking in tongues, there is abuse and misuse of this prophesying. If you've been in the church long enough, you have seen some really silly things, and you're just like, the Spirit is not confirming what you're throwing down. Or even worse, you have had somebody prophesy, have a word of knowledge, tell you something, and you're just like, hey, I know you're wrong. Well, what does the Bible have to say about that? Just as there is abuse and misuse, we are to be discerning on whether something is true or not. When you are engaging in spiritual gifts, you don't shut your brain off. You don't say, oh, well, with my salvation, I'm going to trust only the facts, but now we're talking spiritual gifts. I'm just going to throw it all out and just go with my feelings. Not what the Bible says. With false prophecy, even false teachers were told to beware in 2 Peter chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves with destruction. Verse 2. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not stumble. You catch that in verse 1? False prophets, false teachers. Have you ever heard of false teaching? A pastor that is just teaching doctrinal heresy. Of course you have. Does that mean that all the gift of teaching is not for today? That we're just going to throw out all teaching because some people are doing it wacky. So the same way, are we going to throw away all prophesying because some people are doing it wacky? Or speaking in tongues or spiritual languages, we're just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We want nothing to do with it because there's a lot of stuff that's wrong. John Corson, in his commentary, he shares a story from a great biblical scholar. He says, you see a very obese man walking down the street, can barely keep himself up. When you see that man, you may think for a minute, I'm never going to eat again. But is that what you're supposed to do? No, you're supposed to eat properly and in moderation and be healthy. Something I'm working on myself. The same thing is true of spiritual things. We're to apply them properly in their biblical context for a healthy believer in a healthy body. Paul's speaking here, saying in verse 2, for he speaks in a tongue, does not speak to men, but to God, is not a rebuke. It is a statement. He's not saying don't do it because you only speak to God. He's saying in its context, remember, you need to be speaking to God. And... When it comes to prophesying, you need to be edifying the whole church. Remember 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, the gifts of the Spirit are made for the building up of the body of believers. They're not for you. And it's not for you to jump up and be the the star of the show and take all of the praise away from the Lord. That's not how the Spirit works. But remember how we had to share in its context the Corinthians They had these spiritual gifts. They were using those spiritual gifts. Paul's telling them, great job, keep it up, however, decently and in order. That's what he's going to say in verse 40. We have a different problem where we're not even connecting with God at all. Are we praying? Are you fasting? Are you seeking after spiritual gifts? Are you experiencing God in your day-to-day life? 
Or is this an academic pursuit where you're hearing good private stories, checking them off, maybe sharing the gospel once or twice, and calling yourself a disciple? When the veil was torn in the temple, when Jesus was crucified and died, he made a way that we can enter into the throne room boldly. Whether you're in your shower or you're in your car or you're in the church or anywhere, you have access to God. And we say with that access, maybe later, the game is on. Work is too busy. I got PT in the morning. Whatever it is. And in our thoughts are not for the Lord. And we're not speaking and being ministered to him and ministering to him. The Bible tells us that our prayers enter the throne room of heaven like incense to him, a sweet-smelling aroma. And you have an opportunity to make an offering back to God, and you say, nah, I'm busy. You have an opportunity through the gifts of the Spirit to be be used by him and through him in other ways, connecting to him in a way that we couldn't possibly understand, and you say, nah, this is weird, I'm not into it. And there is some room for that. Are all prophets? No. Remember this from the previous chapter? Are all apostles? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. No. Well, let's continue as Paul is continuing to encourage the Corinthian church in their gifts, and then we'll keep applying it to us as we continue, verses 6 through 12. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues... What shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Now, this word edification is very important in the English language. It's architectural. It means stone by stone, building up. The gifts of the Spirit are to be building each other up in the faith. Eight times in this section, Paul says, with understanding, with understanding, to understanding. What he's speaking to the Corinthians is they were multiple people speaking at the same time. And then he uses this analogy. If you, on the bugle in the Civil War, gave out the command for retreat and attack, charge, at the same time, what are they going to do? they got no idea what to do. Some are going to go forward. Some are going to go back. Most are just going to stand there like, what do we do? The Spirit will never interrupt himself. When a pastor is sharing the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is not going to come on someone in the middle of that sermon to interrupt and then change the focus somewhere else. Does that mean that that person that's exercising that gift is anathema? That means just like cast away and evil? No, they they made a mistake. I need to be encouraged. See, in the same tone, he uses an instrument here and says what kind of sound comes out of it. 
And I want to talk about that for a little bit because things can get interesting here. Well, what is a bugle call? What is the um, command when you're, in, when you're marching and you get a, ca a cadence? When you really boil it down to its lowest denominator, it is sound waves that enter your ear and they vibrate some hairs in there so that you understand it. When you speak about sound, have you ever had a young child in your house learning an instrument? And you want to encourage them, but oh my goodness, you got the earplugs in, you shut them in their room. Keep it up, Johnny, keep it up. No, you'll get it. Squeals and oh, just hairs on the back of your head go up. It's atrocious. But remember, it's just sound waves. What about when you hear the most beautiful piece of music ever? Tears are coming down your face. You're emotionally impacted. It's hairs vibrating in your ear. It's just noise. But there's a connection there. Something about the way that it's in its tempo and its timing and its key has an emotional reaction to your body, to the edification. Then he uses languages here. And we're going to make one more connection. If a Chinese person comes to me and speaks to me, I'm going to nod my head and smile. But I got no idea what he's saying to me. Is he trying to turn me into a communist or is he preaching the gospel? I have no idea. Eh, weird. But when a Spanish person comes to me, and I've been trying so hard to learn Spanish, and I finally understand what they're saying. See, spot, run. Yes, I got it. Yes. I am emotionally invested. I have understanding. I am excited. I've been talked to. There are times, spiritually speaking, when you can express the gift in tongues or you can try the gift of prophecy and it's going to sound like a flute that is not played right, squealing. But other times, in your connection with God, there will be a connection just like those sound waves are going to hit the right key at the right time when your soul is going to be built up and you're going to have an experience, a connection with God. How in the world does a few sound waves bouncing in a certain way melt us and in other areas want us to jam the earplugs in and hide behind a door? The gifts of the Spirit can be the exact same way. We have all seen it where we're just like, nope, that's not from the Lord. I don't know what you're doing, but that ain't right. But there's other times, private times, in your connection with God as you try these things out where your soul is fed in a way that you don't understand. The problem with the Corinthians is they were all expressing these things and trying these things, but they weren't doing them one at a time. They were interrupting themselves. In verse 40 of this chapter, which we'll get to next week, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, says, Let all things be done decently and in order. you got to pick up the guitar to learn to play it. And nobody criticizes, criticizes that person that's just learning. Hey, you're going to try some things. It's going to feel so weird. And if you pick it up and you're like, nah, this gift ain't for me. Okay, praise the Lord. Try something else. But keep trying. Keep pursuing. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Could be helps, prophesy, speaking in tongues. Could be administrations, preaching, teaching. All of those lists we've been going through for the weeks, for the last few weeks. But are you connecting with God? And are we building up the church? Yes, there is some very serious nonsense going on. But that doesn't mean that we stop. That doesn't mean that we're not 
biblically obedient. And that definite means that we don't want to not connect with the God who gave his only begotten son, not just for your salvation, but for a relationship with you. And you are like, nah, nah, I got other things to do. Now, remember, if you feel like I'm really coming down on you, I preach to an audience of one. That's me. So I'm preaching to myself. And if you're like me and you're like, spiritual things, no, 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 man. History lessons all day. I will look into the Greek and I'll study with my books. But you want to start talking about feeling things? That's not for me. Well, what does the Bible say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? Do not quench the spirit. That means you can. If you're, if you're being told not to, that means you can. What else does he say? Do not despise prophecies. Yeah, but Lord, they're messing up. That, but he doesn't stop there. Turn your brain on when you engage spiritual things because he says, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. That means when somebody's messing it up, when you know it's whack, don't throw it all out. Just hold fast to the good ones. Hey, the ones that are doing good, you're like, wow, that is, that is unique. That is spiritual. I'm a, that's amazing. It doesn't mean that you immediately come down on someone that messes up. We don't want to quench the spirit and despise prophecy, but we are called to test all things. As a pastor in, in Lompoc, I remember a young lady coming to me. She had grown up in the um, Pentecostal church. She was very concerned because every time they gathered, the whole crowd was speaking in tongues. And she's like, does that mean that it was all nothing, that it was all not worth it? Does that mean that it was all fake? And I say, for some, yeah. For some, yeah, they're just forcing it. They're doing nothing. It's just squealing noise. But I said, for others, I said, sometimes did you feel a connection to God, that you were closer to him, that you felt more joy and peace? Oh, absolutely. I said, sometimes did you feel like you were just forcing it? It was empty. There was nothing there. Oh, yeah, a lot. I said, well, there's your answer. Sometimes there was a connection, and it was valid by faith alone and Christ alone, and the Holy Spirit comes upon it. Just because people are not using it correctly doesn't mean that there's not some fruit. The same that we can hear some sound waves and we're emotionally engaged and in others we want to run away. The Holy Spirit can move in us and you're going to make mistakes. And I have to provoke to love and good works because there are people here that you won't try anything because you're scared of making a mistake. I'm glad my wife didn't feel that way when we started dating. He's like, this guy's a moron, but I'll give him a shot. We didn't know what he, we liked. We didn't know what, what, pers- what color they, we liked. We didn't know what food we liked. We didn't know what our emotions were like. We didn't know what kind of people we were. Nothing. It was just like, oh, I'll give this a shot. But some of us in our relationship with the Lord are like, well, when I figure this thing out, then I'll get started. I'm just going to sit on my bum here and receive until he makes me do it. Well, we walk by faith and not by sight. And we need to pursue love, pursue spiritual things. And if you're just coming to the church because your your girlfriend or your wife dragged you here, your boyfriend or your, your husband dragged you here, and you're just like, this is all nonsense. I just want to introduce you to the Lord for you to understand that this isn't about filling church seats. This is about having an encounter with the true and living God. And he will connect with you through salvation in Christ Jesus. The Corinthians don't have this problem. They, they are 
exercising these gifts too much and in the wrong ways, and they've lost the context that it was to build others up. And so in verses 13 through 17, it says, Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at the giving of thanks? Since he does not understand what you say, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Look at the things they were doing, and let's ask ourselves if we're doing it. Do you pray with the Spirit? Do you pray with understanding? Notice they're, con- they're, they're both mentioned differently. Do you sing with the Spirit? And do you sing with understanding? Do you sing to God at all? Are you making melody in your heart? Are you praying at all? Or, as many, and if you do, yeah, you can correct the ship. Some people go to the Lord in prayer like they're just going to Santa Claus. Lord, I want this and this and this and this and this. God bless you, amen. Or are you connecting with him on the deepest, most spiritual level? Try it. Connect with him. Ask him. Seek him. Desire him, spiritual with understanding and the intellect with your soul and with your heart. This is a connection, and this is what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, going from being a spiritual consumer to a spiritual producer, where you're just receiving, hearing the word, and not a doer, as it says in James. Just coming and filling the seat and being, I'm a disciple. I come to church on Sunday and on Wednesday. No. A disciple is a disciplined one and a follower of Jesus Christ, filled with the Spirit, building up the body, ministering to the Lord, being ministered by the Lord, and ministering to others for the Lord, and being ministered to others through the Lord. A connection, making spiritual connections. In Ephesians, that church was told not to be drunk, don't drink. And sometimes those in the spirit in the book of Acts, they've been accused of being drunk. But it's what follows that's interesting. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. For all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Well, you've got to have the fear and reverence of God. You've got to be submitting to one another. And you're going to be giving thanks to God in your relationship with him in the name of Jesus Christ. And you're going to be speaking to one another in psalms from the word, in spiritual songs, in hymns, and making melody in our heart. And to do those things, you need to be filled with the Spirit. I suggest you don't be drinking while you do it. You need to be engaged. And if you're thinking to yourself, man, this is just as crazy as all get out. I'm just going to go back to reading my Bible and listening to the sermons. I don't want anything to do with any of this. There is a deeper spiritual connection that is mysterious. 
what did Jesus say to the woman at the well in John chapter 4? In verse 24, he said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. There is a mystery, a mysticism to this. Am I telling you to turn off your brain? Absolutely not. First Thessalonians, test all things. Test it to what? The word of God. The word of God is inerrant. You've got to know your Bible. You've got to know. But then you've got to experience. But what does that mean to worship God in spirit? Well, you can't have the spirit without Jesus Christ. As you confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are born again. And the book of Romans tells us in us is the flesh and the spirit, and they war with one another. They may be warring in you right now because your flesh is like, no, 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 no. This is, I don't want anything to do with this. But your spirit's like, oh, you know you do, but you know you do. It's how you work those things out. But remember, we're to pursue love a love for God and a love for each other, not ourselves. This isn't about boasting ourselves up. That's what was going on in the Corinthians. They wanted to spiritually outdo each other at the same time. It's not biblical. You need to go home to your prayer closet like Jesus said for you to do. Go home and pray and connect with the Lord and connect with him on a deeper spiritual level. And you can only do it by trying. Because when you're home by yourself, I'm not going to be there to yell at you through a sermon. It's just you and the Lord. And some things may feel weird, and then other things, well, they may be like that sweet music that comes to you and just emotionally touches you. Remember, the sound is just sound waves. Just sound waves moving through the air, touching those hairs in the inside of your ear. And yet some will drive you to tears, and others will make you run away. Well, some sounds... Some sounds that come out of us that don't make any sense, the groanings of our heart, they're sweet music to the Lord. They mean nothing to us. In other areas, they mean nothing because they are nothing. The question is, are you receiving as the Spirit affirming these things? Do you have a true relationship with the Lord? If you do, then He will give you spiritual gifts. Remember in chapter 12, several weeks ago, it said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The appearing of the Spirit, it can be seen, manifested in and through us, and it's not just for you, it's for the benefit of all. And so now let's, let's close out this section of Scripture. We're going to read verses 18 through 25. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however, and malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy, an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. 
He is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. If the non-believer comes into the church and falls on their face worshiping God because of the testimony, should we not do the same? You know, and I'm not saying the position is going to make you more spiritual, but for some it is necessary. For some, you need to go bow, you need to go bend your knees on your bed like they taught you when you were a little kid. They don't do that anymore. I used to be on public television, they would teach just humbling yourself, understanding a spiritual connection. Here, I love how clear the scripture is. Yes, if someone comes into a building and all the people are speaking in tongues, they're going to think you're all crazy. And that is not good. But if they come in and they hear people telling the future, if they hear people telling the future and those things come to pass, then they repent and they believe. You know, we teach through the book of Revelation, Ezekiel 38, and we are sharing the revelations, the future that is going to happen, and they begin to see these things on the news, and like, wow, maybe they're, they are definitely crazy, but that's kind of crazy that that's actually happening. There are people in this building that have that testimony. And we see these things actually taking place when they hear the word of God being taught. If they literally encounter a spiritual gift where an individual will tell them their future, but you better be careful because if you're wrong, you're going to stumble them. But you're going to make mistakes. The connection here for the Corinthians is they were already pursuing spiritual gifts. They were going a little too far. They needed to do them decently and in order, and they needed to be wary of each other and wary of people coming in. For us, are we spiritually active at all? Jesus told us to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're to pursue love and spiritual gifts. And Paul says, I speak in tongues more than any of you. But that's not always good if it's out of context. Are you even praying? Are you trying to connect with God? Do you know him? Do you experience him? And on occasion, do you feel him? It is a deeper, mysterious connection, and this is not an intellectual exercise where we are just trying to build up an organization where we get enough people in enough seats to hear the Bible being taught. That is not enough. That is not enough. We want the presence of God. We want the manifestation of the Spirit in our life. What are the manifestations? What are the fruit of the Spirit? Self-control, joy, love, peace. We want more of those things, not craziness, not out of control. Not a show, not a comedy club, not entertainment. We want the presence of God. We want to know him. And shame on you if you're holding out on us. Because remember, it's to build up the body, not just you. This isn't just about you. So how do we do that, Mike? I mean, you just keep yelling at us. What, what are we supposed to do here? This is crazy. We're going to be obedient to the scripture. First and foremost, you must present yourself. You have to do the action. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves, your body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable 
and perfect will of God. We do not divorce the intellect from the spiritual. They work together. But you also can't have one without the other. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. Oh, be a Berean. Where does it say that? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Yet strengthen another gospel. Many of you are loving the Lord with your mind, but are you loving him with your heart and soul? Some of you are loving him with your heart. But are you loving him with your mind? You have to give it all. How do you do that? By presenting yourself. Here I am, Lord. I can't do anything. I'm going to try some of these things out. If they, don't, if they bless you, I'll keep doing it. If they don't, I won't. It's that simple. But we need to have these spiritual connections. They're a part of a healthy relationship with God. When I say to somebody, hey, how's your walk? What's the Lord sharing with you? Usually they just kind of, and then they give me some regurgitation of a sermon or he's teaching me patience. If you're breathing, he's teaching you patience. what What is he impressing upon you? What is he telling you? That'd be like someone asking me, hey, what's your wife telling you? I don't know, stuff. She says I don't listen. (laughs) It's like maybe you're not connecting. No, we want spiritual connections with God through the word of God. Remember, we're to test all things, nothing crazy. We want to do what he says. Through prayers and songs and gifts and reading, exhortation and texts, sometimes speaking um, in tongues at home or one at a time with interpretation sometimes through prophecy, sometimes just the Lord put this verse on my heart. I want to share it with you. If you've ever experienced it and it's on the right time at the right place, it is heavenly. Well, you've got to try. But I'm going to leave you with these words today. I pray that you are able to take home Romans 15, 13. That the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing and that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would fill you, that you would be encouraged, and that you would be filled with joy and peace. How do you get filled? You bring your cup, and someone else pours it in. That by faith, the Holy Spirit would fill you afresh, that you would leave here encouraged, and maybe willing to experiment on a few things, but most importantly, that you would desire to connect with and know God through reading, through prayer, and through fellowship. That you would engage your heart, your mind, and your soul. Let's pray. Father, that is our prayer. Our prayer is that you would fill us afresh and that we would desire to know the deep things of you, to to dive into the depths, to try the things that are unknown, but scriptural and done according to your word. We pray that we would be growing in passion for you, in a joy for you, in an understanding. We know that you're a real God. There are those of us that have real problems And we need a real experience with you. And we pray if it be your will that you would sovereignly touch us and work in our lives, encourage us and fill us, that we would glorify you through the whole world. Let your will be done in all of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ and the Lord's impressed it upon your heart, come on up. We will pray with you up front. We'll talk with you, share with you, give you a Bible. If you need uh, encouragement or you have a question because we went through some really questionable things today. Come on up. There's uh, pastors, leaders, elders up here to pray with you. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Don't forget, ladies, um, the women's retreat meeting is here after the fellowship.